Dennis, last week you spoke about the importance of oils in the diet and we learned that oils ain't oils, or maybe they are. (laughs) But we spoke mostly about cod liver oil and olive oil and today there's another oil you want to talk about. We may have briefly mentioned it last week but we didn't touch on it properly and that was oil of evening primrose. I think it warrants serious consideration as one of the most important therapeutic oils. We'll look at that closely today. Dennis, oils, oils, oils. What a wonderful way of putting it, Jane. That's a very nice presentation. Well done. <laughs> Last week we, we uh, took up the interesting topic of the use of cod liver oil. And just to remind listeners, it was something that my generation in particular was raised on. And I put down a lot of our fortitude, the generation to which I belong, to the way in which we were regularly dosed with cod liver oil. All jokes aside, I still consider it, as I said last week, to be a very useful general tonic preparation full of vitamin A and D and particularly useful, uh, as I said last week, in the elderly, but not just the elderly, but particularly for chronic respiratory conditions, particularly bronchitis. Good time of the year, as I said last week, to think about beginning to use the old favourite again, cod liver oil. We also last week took up uh, olive oil, and we've done it before, but uh, you and I have frequently spoken about the importance of the Mediterranean diet, the way in which we should take on board aspects of that diet, which I'm sure many Australians already have. Uh, I think as Australians, I think we tend to eat better than, than many other cultures, and I put a lot of that down to the way in which our historic uh, Anglo-Celtic uh, culture has been attenuated somewhat by a lot of people from Europe, particularly Greeks, Italians, Mediterranean people, who brought with them in many ways eating habits, in my opinion, a little bit superior to some of our Anglo-Celtic obsessions. So olive oil we looked at last week as an important substance as a food. Best not to see it as a medicine, although it can be used as a medicine, but as a food, a regular part of the diet. And I think you mentioned the fact, Jane, that you use it, I think, in salads and things like that. And it doesn't matter how you use it. The message last week with reference to this remarkable substance, which we grow in the Hunter, is that uh, it should be used as a food on salads. One can cook with it, but it's better uh, to use it in, in its raw, unheated state or take it deliberately, as I suggested last week, in dosages, say, of 30 mils, where if when taken at that level, spread across the day, it can work remarkably uh, on the the gut and on the bowel. We have presented it over the years as a very simple and easy way to promote bowel regularity, 30 mils of olive oil a day, but also uh, in keeping with our understanding of olive oil that we touched on last week, it has remarkable benefits on the liver and gallbladder. Uh, the, the way in which it promotes biliary excretion is well understood uh, in pharmacology. We understand the principles in the oil and how it encourages the liver uh, to produce and excrete bile and how it encourages the gallbladder to become more efficient in voiding bile and lessening what we call uh, gallbladder congestion, which we believe is behind the development of gallstones. So two good oils, not not to be thought of as just quaint things, but to be seen as potentially very useful for for health maintenance. But if we look at evening primrose oil, um, this is quite a remarkable substance. Um, Interestingly, uh, years ago I did a field excursion 
with some of the students that were studying with me. When I say years ago, I'm beginning to realise how old I am now, but we did it um, in the Hunter, not far from where my property is in, in Rothbury. And the field uh, there was just a mass with uh, evening primrose. And evening primrose, whilst being a wayside herb, is cultivated commercially around the world. And from the seeds of evening primrose is extracted a remarkable oil which has remarkable characteristics and properties. And we, can t- we will go on to talk about it when we look at some of the characteristics of it. And we're talking, Dennis, about primrose, evening primrose oil. Mm, mm. Is there a morning primrose as well? I dare say there is. I Maybe dare say it's there not is. the one that's got the same properties, <laughs> no, obviously, as evening distinctly primrose. Evening primrose oil, evening primrose oil, for sure. It's quite a different and unique uh, plant to actually see it in the field. It has a lot to do with the way in which the, the flower opens and, and closes, and um, evening seems to be the time when it comes alive. Oh, that's interesting. So evening, evening primrose oil. Oh, I think I'm right there. Oh, a, a botanist out there, out there might contradict me, but... Um, if I get a chance, I'll bring in to the studio and I uh, put it up on the screen and see some of my students of many years ago uh, collecting specimens of primrose oil or primrose, evening primrose, just in a paddock near the old North Road off Wine Country Drive. So how is it best oh, used? Look, look you, could talk, you could talk about this substance quite confidently and enthusiastically, and I've had the privilege over many, many years, particularly in the treatment of skin conditions and particularly uh, with reference to children's skin conditions, of seeing this substance bring about some remarkable uh, improvement in skin health. Um, Its primary use in, in my practice over many, many years has been a necessary supplement for anyone, including children, who are battling with inflammatory skin conditions, particularly eczema. That's where it's, I dare to say, that's where it's made its most popular impression amongst natural therapists and also amongst uh, many uh, GPs who are using some of these things now in their practice of integrated medicine. So it's, it's an area where I prescribe it along with, with herbs and other things, and we might talk about that as we get into the program. But fundamentally, I prescribe it as a supplement, either as an oil on its own, a, a crude oil, taken usually in five bill dosages, or, as many, many um, people prefer, to take it in an encapsulated form, uh, where it's perhaps more convenient, or we seem to like uh, the way of taking things that way. But that's probably the most impressive uh, area where we use it. Stubborn, chronic, long-standing, pruritic or itching skin conditions it's not a, a supplement, by the way, uh, Jane, that will work immediately. And this is something that many listeners have to take on board about many of the things that I mentioned on the program. Many of these things are, in fact, foods. And like all foods, um, they grow on you, so to speak. You have to be using them for a period of time in order for the system to be able to benefit from them. And so the use of primrose oil is something that will assert itself, not immediately, but over many months. And this doesn't seem to be a burden for people who have battled eczema with their kids or themselves or dermatitis or other dry skin conditions for many, many, many years. The idea of using a safe uh, preparation with potential benefit on the skin 
uh, even if they have to take it long term, is not a big issue, particularly when we're looking at this particular oil, oil of evening primrose, as being an oil that these days is not very expensive and is readily available in our good pharmacies and health food stores as well as monks practitioners. So the eczema is the primary area and I would challenge, I would challenge uh, many uh, healthcare workers out there who are dealing with, with skin conditions. And skin conditions, in my opinion, uh, are probably one of the most troublesome uh, sorts of conditions to treat because they come under various categories. But when we're talking about eczema and dermatitis, we're talking about very common forms of skin distress where itch, intolerable itch, and, and discharge and uh, cracking, uh, all those conditions, all those symptoms tend to go under the banner of inflammatory skin disease. And I would challenge health workers, whether they be naturopaths, pharmacists or whomever, to begin to recommend to clients and patients the the introduction of primrose oil into the diet, say, of children or into the diet of themselves in order to address this common, perhaps most common condition where a quiet perseverance with the herb, the oil, over quite a few months, in many cases will see a retrieval of the condition. That's the most important, well, when I say the most important, that's probably the most common area. But there's a very, very interesting area, which I know from patient feedback is being used more popularly amongst general practitioners than than what many people think. There is a condition that women experience called mastalgia, which is painful breast conditions. Uh, These symptoms or this condition can assert itself on a cyclical basis, usually in the context of the period. And in the area prior to the period, in in many women, they develop very uh, painful mastalgic conditions. Mastalgia is the technical or medical name. And this can be a very, very painful condition. Um, and, and it's not uh, associated with, with, with lesions as such. It's just a painful, cyclical breast condition that makes the period coming up to, or the stage coming up to the period, quite irksome and painful for many ladies. In this area, primrose oil has made a quite remarkable reputation. In fact, I was reading this morning one of the texts uh, that I refer to frequently, Mosby's book on um, complementary medicine and supplements. It, um, primrose oil has been given a plus three rating in a score in that book, which only goes as far as five. It was given a plus three rating, which is a very confident rating, as a remedy to consider and prescribe for cyclical nostalgia. So uh, that could be of great help, great help for many women who uh, otherwise battle through from period to period uh, on a cyclical experience of this wretched condition. So there are two quite remarkable areas. The third one, the third one is perhaps not well known, not well known, uh, and is perhaps controversial. But again, in Mosby's text that I was looking at again today, uh, evening primrose oil is used confidently in the early, the very early stages of uh, the, the, the condition that can sometimes assert itself, um, diabetic problems, particularly uh, neuropathy conditions. Uh, again, this is controversial, and there may be many out there that 
uh, sort of shake their head, go to the literature and see how oil of evening primrose is being recommended as an ongoing supplement to use uh, with diabetic patients who are beginning to experience uh, the symptoms of neuropathy that can frequently occur uh, with that condition. Now, all of those uh, uh, conditions that we've spoken about uh, have recommended dosages, and we'll look at those in a moment, but there are three remarkable conditions that make this remarkable substance, which when I started practice many, many years ago, was not even known, it was not even spoken about. But now it has come to the surface, good literature written on it, it's still making its headway. The problem with it is that like all uh, medications, it doesn't work as well on some people that it does on others. But again, a quick research or looking at it um, on Google or elsewhere will affirm what we've been saying today, eczema, eczema, nostalgia, and early diabetic neuropathy symptoms. Three remarkable conditions for a remarkable remedy. Is there an explanation mm. as to how it works mm. in treating some of these conditions? Well, I think we know largely how it works. Um, the conditions that we've been talking about, say we, with eczema, for instance, it, it's said that this is brought about as a result of the body not being able to adequately produce a substance known as gamma-linoleic acid, GLA. And a lot of the literature on primrose oil is structured around uh, a discussion on gamma-linoleic acid, which also occurs in, in borage and, uh, and other substances, but is very, very dominant in this particular herb and this particular oil. So gamma-linoleic acid is considered to be the, the factor in primrose oil that compensates for a deficiency of it in people that experience uh, conditions about which we've been talking today. So, in fact, uh, in, in some preparations these days, um, they're standardised around the level of gamma-linoleic acid in the actual oil of evening primrose supplement. But uh, the, the way in which primrose oil is, is offered today is in a convenient form, which, with a broad dosage that we'll discuss in a moment, pretty well guarantees a good level of GLA to be able to supplement um, the body and help overcome what we might consider to be a deficiency disease, as in the case of eczema, uh, where a deficiency in gamma-linoleic acid is perhaps behind uh, the benefit of oil of evening primrose as a supplement progressively used over an extended period of time. Hello, Larry. Hi. You've got a question about skin disease, uh, anal skin disease. Yes, I was, hello to you all there. I was just um, wondering if that evening uh, primrose oil could have any effect on, I'm not sure how you say it, I think it's purianus ani, it's a, a skin dis uh, condition of the, of the anus area which becomes extremely itchy and inflamed. Yes, of course. Look, um, as a supplement, as an oral supplement, it, it, it would perhaps be useful. It's not a, a condition that I've frequently seen related to oil of evening primrose, but um, it's, it's worth a go. Um, I, don't, yep. I don't know what you're uh, presently um, using for this condition, but I can make a few suggestions that might ease 
some of the symptoms of it. Uh, is, is, is your condition associated with cracking? Yes, a little, a little bit, cracks? yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. for, for, and I've, I've treated um, a lot of anal conditions where there's been a lot of cracking around the region. Yeah. That uh, condition does particularly well with either a honey ointment or a calendula ointment. So write that down for the, for the cracking of an anal yeah. condition. Those two, yeah. two uh, ointments, and they're fairly readily available, Larry, are particularly yeah. useful. The one that sometimes give me, gives me best results uh, for the pruritic or itch or irritable conditions associated... Yeah, that's what it is. Right. Um, my, some of the best results I have had are associated with a, a, a preparation based on tea tree oil. Now, right. what I have found is, uh, years ago, a colleague of mine, uh, a pharmacy chap, a very skillful pharmacist who still makes uh, some of my preparations for me, um, he uh, and I developed uh, a product particularly for, for, for female uh, pruritic conditions in the anovulval region, and we called it vaginal. Uh, okay. Now, um, it's a, a cream that has a 2% tea tree oil base on it and the it works like a gem uh, for itch conditions that can occur in the anogenital region so mm-hmm. um, I would think if you haven't used that approach um, I would uh, I'd be certainly recommending you give a, a go to it um, n- right. none of those are steroids um, mm-hmm. they're all natural um, with any topical application particularly in a sensitive region whether it be the anal region or the genital region generally, always do a, a small test patch to make sure that there's no sure. irritation associated with it. But uh, I'm thinking at this moment of, of uh, a patient of mine from New Lambton who was able to do her holiday to the Greek islands because which previously she thought she might have to cancel due to an incredible itch condition similar to yours, the use of the 2% cream of tea tree oil resolved the condition and I have a testimony from her to say that she had a very pleasant trip to Greece itch free That's excellent news (laughs) Thank you for your call Larry Barry has rung in from Shell Harbour Hello uh, Your question is about sore breasts but not cyclical Hello Barry Hello Hello Hello, sorry Shout at us Hello there. Hello, Barry. Yes, Dennis. Uh, sorry, I, uh, I was in a truck and I, 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 yeah, I was concentrating. Um, Dennis, um, my wife's 68, um, has nothing wrong with her, never ever goes wrong with her, but um, she suffered with terrible sore boobs. She got big boobs, but um, yeah, terribly sore all the time, and I didn't know whether maybe answered that while, um, okay. while I'm... My, my, um, my, my response to that, Barry, would be that any uh, sore breast condition um, obviously needs to be medically profiled and looked at and examined and investigated, and I'm obviously sure that you, your, your, your wife or mother would have had that done, but I mentioned that to, to, for listeners generally. Any breast condition that is, is painful, sore or lumpy, uh, for goodness sake, get it looked at medically because it can be uh, something can be happening now if it is a benign condition as i suspect it is um i would be recommending i would be recommending a trial on evening primrose oil um it um 
the woman you're talking about is probably postmenopausal, so it may not have the same specific relationship to the breast condition that we were talking about earlier with cyclical nostalgia. Yeah. But yeah. but I come back to the point that um, it's it's a supplement that's that's safe. It's a supplement that's economical, and a supplement which, if persevered with over an extended period of time in the right dose, I'd be giving it a go. Yeah, I'll, I'll recommend that to us. I think she's a bit embarrassed to talk about it to the doctor, but um, I'll recommend well, that. Thank t- you very much. T- tell her from me, Barry, not to be embarrassed to talk about it to the doctor. That's what yeah. the doctor's for. And unfortunately, yep. both many men um, are reluctant to talk to the doctor about problems that they might be having, say, with their prostate until things get too advanced. And many women, unfortunately, are a little bit reluctant to talk about things that they consider, you know, a little bit private. Well, for goodness sake, we're all human beings. Uh, <laughs> see the yeah, GP. Right. But if it is a benign condition, look, nothing gained, nothing lost. Give it a go. All right, Dennis, appreciate that. Thanks very much. Thank you, Barry. Thanks for your call, Barry. And Shauna has rung in on 49216216 from Maitland. And your question is about using primrose oil with uh, if you're on dialysis. Yes. Hello, Shauna. Yes. Now, with your with your uh, with your um, condition, um, you're obviously um, under pretty intensive medical management. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've always had really dry skin. Yes. And I just wondered whether it would be suitable for me to take that. Whether I could suggest that to the doctor, or um, you know, sort of. With all the other okay. medications Look, I have not read anything specifically on um, on the relationship of say this this food or this supplement to people that are experiencing dialysis. So I'm reluctant to say yay or nay. Uh, what I, what I will do um, for you, um, and I would ask that when I finish talking to you, you leave your name and telephone number with the producer who will give it to me at the end of the program and I'll do some research on it for you but even if I were to say uh, look I don't think there's a problem in using primrose oil I would necessarily want you to run it past your medical managers in order for them to give you the nod you see where I'm coming from there Um, I think that's important that any supplement that you use um, should be run past your medical managers uh, who in turn would run it past perhaps the hospital pharmacist to ensure that there was nothing, uh, problems there. But reflecting on the reading that I did even prior coming to the program today from Mosby's text that I was talking about, I can't recollect any contraindications for it in this condition. But as I say, I'm, I'm not sure. I will look at it and I'll get back to you. Thank you very much for your call. Shauna, you stay on the line for just a moment and we will move to Peter. You've got a recurring skin condition you'd like to ask Dennis about. Yeah, so Dennis, I've got this um, this rash that started probably about uh, eight or nine weeks ago. It started in my armpits and sort of spread across to the the chest. Yes. um, I the first doctor I saw prescri- thought it was uh, an allergy. Prescribed antihistamines; they didn't help. Um, I then went to another doctor, and he um, put me on a short-term 
um, a course of prednisone, and that actually seemed to work. Um, but then when I, he only wanted me to take those for, for four days, um, and then about a week later, the, the rash came back. Now, I've tried aloe vera, to, which sort of eases the itchiness, but nothing seems to permanently get rid of it. Have you ever had it before, Peter? Never. Okay, and it's restricted to the armpits? Armpits and, and the chest. Um, many of the conditions that I've seen in, in those regions is more related to fungal conditions. Right. Uh, did your GPs mention that possibility to you? No. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to suggest something here that if you were to try it, you'd only do a little patch test and do it very cautiously. I mentioned earlier the the use of a of a, a tea tree based cream. Yeah. If it is a fungal condition, tea tree based preparations usually usually have the effect of of lessening the symptoms um, and and bringing it under better control. If you were to procure a tea tree based cream from say a compounding pharmacist. Um, you would use it very, very tenderly, if you like, in the region, do a patch test and, and check the response. But I'm a little bit surprised that a fungal interpretation hasn't been given to it, but um, your GPs um, would know better, and I'm not questioning what's been done. If it is an inflammatory condition, that is, if it's more like a dermatitis uh, or an eczema-type condition... By the way, is it itchy? Yes. Okay. Um, if it's more like that, um, I have a great deal of confidence in, in two ointments. One of them is, is what's called chickweed ointment, and that's a, a very inexpensive little preparation that one can get uh, from the health food store. Um, right. I had a lot to do in developing chickweed ointment with one of my graduate students, uh, Robin Kirby, lovely lady. Uh, we jointly produced what I think was the first chickweed ointment in Australia but that goes back many many years it's now owned by a different company but it still gives good results uh, the other um, cream that is what what I usually fall back on for inflammatory conditions like an eczema or dermatitis is a cream based on a, on a licorice chemical known as glycrotinic acid which I refer to as the GA cream now those t that would be my approach I, uh, perhaps the best thing here if you've uh, had a bit of result with the steroid, but it's it's crept back. Have a have a talk with your, your doctor again, and say we've been discussing it on radio, and uh, raise the possibility or the question whether or not there's a fungal implication that uh, then could be challenged either with what I've said, a tea tree based cream, or something that he as your GP might have from a pharmaceutical background, or, right. or to 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 treat it fungally. Or if it's inflammatory and you're reluctant to keep using steroid cream, um, were you using cream or was it oral prednisone you were taking? It was oral prednisone. Okay, that's heavy stuff. Um, if you're reluctant to keep doing that, as I'm sure your doctor would be reluctant, uh, try something topical and the two creams that I mentioned would be worthwhile trying. And Dennis Stewart, uh, Sharon has rung in from Curry, and uh, your question is about GA cream, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Hello, Sharon. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well indeed. What was the GA cream? Where do you get that from? Okay, look, 
the, the GA is, uh, how can you call it, an abbreviation for what's called glycorotinic acid. Now, that might sound very uh, uh, verbose and, and even corrosive, but it's not. It's also known as glycorrhizin, and that is the chemical constituent that's found in the herb licorice. And a lot of people might be surprised when we say that licorice has uh, steroidal-like characteristics. That is, even when it's orally taken, it can sometimes establish a steroidal effect, but when it's topically applied in a cream, um, glycorotinic acid, or what we abbreviate as GA, can be very, very successful in ameliorating particularly the subacute levels of things like eczema and dermatitis. Now, what I will do is ask you to stay on um, and give your name and telephone number to the producer when I finish talking to you, and I'll get back to you and let you know where the cream can be procured. That'd be great. Thank you so much, Dennis. Okay, Sharon. Right, stay on the line, Sharon. Uh, One last call, Dennis. Susie's rung in from Maitland, and your question, Susie, is about reflux. Hello, Susie. Hi. Uh, Yes, I noticed a lot of people have got this condition. Yes. And I've got a small um, hiatus hernia. Yes. And no matter what I do, I still have the problem. Okay. So what do you suggest? Okay. I don't want to live on these tablets that the doctors give you because um, you end up with more problems. Uh, two things that might be useful to try, which in my opinion would not clash in any case with what your, your good doctor has recommended. Uh, if you haven't used the herb slippery elm, you may be missing out on a benefit. Slippery elm is an old favourite. Um, I know even in this town there are one or two uh, medical professionals that recommend it. Slippery elm contains a substance which protects the gut wall from irritation and inflammation and buffers uh, the symptoms of reflux. So if you've not used a slip, a slippery elm, Go to your good health food store in Maitland and you've got a good one there. Um, and Green Hills has got a good one as well. Go and get hold of some slippery elm and take it, say in a teaspoonful dose a couple of times a day. And uh, you can get a herb also that's called meadow sweet. Now, if you've not heard of that herb, write it down because in, in our profession in Western herbalism, English, European herbalism, the herb meadow sweet botanically known as Philopendula ulmeria, is specifically indicated as a herb to regulate uh, acidity of the gut, and it can be taken simply as a, as a herbal tea. Very inexpensive. In fact, it's quite a tasty tea. Those two things put together, meadow sweet tea, procurable, say, from a herbalist or a health food store, and it, also your slippery elm from a herbalist, health food store or pharmacy, I'd be going down that pathway with a degree of confidence, Susie. And thank you very much for your call, Susie. Dennis, a, a few more seconds left in the program. And we should uh, just quickly touch on dosage for dosage, primrose oil. Primrose oil. We mentioned primrose oil, just a quick one. For kids with eczema, it's recommended two to four grams of the oil daily, carried out for several, if not many months. For cyclic nostalgia or mastitis, Three grams daily is what's recommended. One gram three times daily spread across the day. 
and for early, early diabetic um, neuropathy, um, four to six grams of oil of evening primrose. Look, it's harmless, but they're recommended dosages from Mosby's text that I was talking about today. Thank you very much, Dennis Stewart, and uh, we'll be back with Health Naturally next Friday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.